Welcome to the Pemberley Podcast, a podcast where we discuss Jane Austen adaptations, now covering Incense and Sensibility by Sonali Dev. I'm Yolanda Rodriguez. And I'm Jillian Davis. We're proud partners of the Frolic Podcast Network, a community made up of your favorite voices in all of Romancelandia and beyond. Keep up with us on Twitter and Instagram at the Pemberley, and you can email us at thepemberleypodcast at gmail.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another wonderful, fabulous, sensational episode of the Pemberley Podcast. Before we get into talking about the Rajay family, we would like to talk a little bit about what we are watching on television. We've got another two-hander where Yolanda and I are both obsessed with the show. You guessed it. We're watching Ted Lasso. I wish I had watched it sooner. One of those shows that like you hear the hype, you hear that it's gotten 20 Emmy nominations and you're like, is it worth it? Yes, it's so worth it. I mean, I think for you, the hardest jump was it's on Apple TV and you're like a whole new platform for this one show. I am very precious with like what I think is like an amazing show. And Ted Lasso is an, like, it's it's one of my favorite shows. I think yeah. I'm going to be re-watching episodes of this for years and years to come. Yes. Like, it brings me the same comfort as, like, Dairy Girls. And yeah. it's just good. It's also given me a great fictional crush in the form of Roy Kent, played by real stand-up comedian Brett Goldstein. I just want to throw this out there. I found a biscuits with the boss recipe. <gasps> I posted that on Instagram a couple months ago, and I tagged him for no reason but he did watch it. So we are in love. Yes, (laughs) he doesn't know about it, but we are. The show Ted Lasso is about an American coach for college American football who gets hired to be a soccer coach in England for like this Premier League team. He is coming in with no knowledge of soccer, no Mm -hmm. knowledge of... British culture. Really, yeah. He just knows he's a good coach. And he's kind of your idea of the town idiot. They're he and his um, assistant coach, Coach Beard. They're from Kansas City. He's kind of got all these little podunk sayings about yeah. stuff. And you're just like, oh, this guy's really clueless. This guy's really ignorant about people. But he's the opposite of that. If you've heard of this show, you've heard about how wholesome and how happy and uplifting it is. And it is delivers. Yeah. We're here to tell you it's worth your time. With that, let's get into Incense and Sensibility. So previously, Yush has dropped in on India unexpectedly, and after sampling her irresistible overnight oats, she helps him dig into his biggest fears and anxieties. Last time we left off, Yush was lingering outside of India's studio and and was discovered by Chutney the Pug. India comes to the window and is like, what are you doing? And he's like, I can't go home. And that brings us to now. She is inviting him in and he is craving her overnight oats. Is he? (laughs) I think maybe. I think a little bit. But also like we find out he's currently living with his parents because after the shooting, he just like wants to feel safe or like he just doesn't want to be alone. So he doesn't just want to go back home to his parents. And so he's trying to find some kind of other location that he can be with someone rather than going to his apartment where he would be alone. So he goes to India. Yash opens up a lot. Like, you know, the board game operation where you're just sort of like, they're open and vulnerable. That's a lot of what Yush is in this um, in this chapter, because the last time he really lived with his parents was in high school. He was 
hospitalized his sophomore and junior years. He was riding his bike and he got hit by a car and was paralyzed. He spent his whole senior year teaching himself how to walk again. The last time he lived with his parents, he was sick and injured and being fussed over. And it just, it brings him back to this place when he was like the lowest, weakest version of himself and he hates it. It's all these big events in his life and all this trauma that he hasn't processed. Mm-hmm. And in a way, he's not just processing the more recent traumatic event of the shooting. He's processing years and years of trauma with mm-hmm. with uh, India. So yeah. I think she's also realizing, like, there's a lot going on with you. And I understand why you need help. But also, you can't just keep showing up here unannounced. Especially since she, like, just saw him, too, you know? India made a point a couple chapters ago where she said, look, if you were hurt, this bullet that was in you, um, you don't actually need the doctor's help for your body to heal. Your body's going to heal. But what the doctor is ensuring is that your body heals correctly. And, you know, the traumatic event that we're dealing with here is Yush getting paralyzed and then teaching like a lot of time in hospitals. It's a lot of doctor's appointments. It's a lot of what he's going through right now. Only this time. He's not like a teenager who's just like got his whole life ahead of him. He's got the campaign that's ahead of him. It's weeks away. He has found that he's lost a lot of steam on this. Like he really doesn't know why it's important to him. He realizes that he hasn't quite mentally healed correctly from his previous trauma. And that's, I think, what he's really, now that India is pointing that out to him, he's like, I thought I was not one of those people who needed it. I thought I could just bury it and it would be fine, but it's, I think it's a much bigger part of him than he'd like to admit. One of the scenes he kind of plays out too is like what actually happened with Abdul mm-hmm. was like he kind of goes through and talks through like, well, Abdul actually fell on top of me that day. And I think even like that part is something he hasn't said out loud to anyone. Mm-hmm. And he's still working through that. And like he just has like this still this guilt of like, why would Abdul take a bullet for me? Like, why me? Mm -hmm. Even though it's his job to Mm -hmm. be his bodyguard. And like, Mm -hmm. that's literally when he signed up for the job to be a bodyguard to a politician. Like, that's part of what he signed up for. But he's like, no, but I don't want that, you know? And so I think he's trying to figure out like, at what point is this sacrifice worth it? And it's not worth it for him. He's like, no, Abdul isn't just my bodyguard. He's such a good friend. Yeah. And so I think he just is still carrying so much of that guilt, especially because Abdul is still in a coma. And like, no matter how many doctors see him, they're just like, we don't know. We don't know. There's only so much doctors can do for him. You know, they've, they've done the work of like, fixing his wounds but i mean if he doesn't wake up like they can't make him wake up no he has to like that's where his body needs to do the healing on its own yush has lost a lot of his drive for this yeah. because a bodyguard was always like a formality for him it was just something to like keep the crowds from touching him right he never thought there was so much danger that he would lose so much con- this is the really ne- big next issue that we get into he never thought he would lose control like that. Mm. And so we get into Yush's control issues, (laughs) which are manyfold. I mean, I feel like a lot of people who really get to the top of their field and are like big businessy, powerhousey, politiciany types, you have serious control issues because you didn't get to where you were by leaving things up to chance. And that's a really big argument that Yush has. It sounds like he's aware of his control issues, but he doesn't really know how to get rid of them because he's like, of course I want control. Who doesn't want control? Especially like I want to control my friend waking up. I want to control 
like no one ever gets shot again, that I don't have this trauma anymore. I want to control that. But it's it's one thing to know that that needs to happen. It's another thing entirely to like do the work to fix it. Yeah, he actually even says, if you don't control your own destiny, aren't you just a puppet? So that's how he feels about control. (laughs) (laughs) That's a very, I remember years ago, that movie Ricky Bobby came out and they had that saying, if you ain't first, you're last. Mm. And that's a very, that's kind of what's happening here. If you're not in control, you're just a puppet. It's such the opposite of India's point of view, where she's like, you need to rely on the universe. You need to trust the universe. Put your faith in the universe. And he's like, are you kidding me? Like, I think that's a big point where she felt judged by him in a previous chapter because it's worked for her, you know? Like, she's in some distress. She's having some financial hardship. And her mother, you know, is also trying to heal herself. And that's those are some things that, you know, she would like some control over that she doesn't. Um, but she knows that she doesn't. And so it's it's really tough to, like, have Yush relinquish that. He doesn't have control over whether or not Abdul can wake up. But yeah. he wants to feel like he has some kind of control over yeah. that. So he's like, can you come with me to the hospital right now? I don't know what time it is, but they... It's late. Yeah, it's really late. <laughs> well past visiting hours. <laughs> so they go to the hospital to, to visit Abdul. Yush is still processing a lot, too, where he's like, is my heart still in running? Is my heart still in this election right now? No, because he sees no point to it. They go to the hospital and the nurse is nice enough to be like, go ahead, like go inside for like a few minutes. But it turns out that Trisha is there and she's like... Well, she's one of his doctors. Yeah, so she's doing her rounds and like is gonna come in and see them. They hear her and they like duck behind a curtain or something. And they are just very close to each other. Oh, yeah. They we are... love close proximity <laughs> trope. They are stuck there for like maybe a minute or two. And it is the closest they've been in so long. And Hearts are racing. Pulses are pounding. And even Trisha, you know, she leans over Abdul and whispers to him like, you know, you've got to wake up. This is only going to get harder. And, you know, they're in on that private moment. After that, after Trisha leaves, they exit the hospital. And and it's really hard for India because she's also fighting her feelings for Yush. And she kind of has a breakdown and she's like, I don't think I can help you. Like, you require so much of me. Mm. And because India is so in touch with herself, she's like, it will require too much of me to help you. But you should feel, um, you know, passionate about this campaign because Mm. there is something you can do. You can win so that you can prevent this kind of thing from happening to so many people. You can, like, lower the hate crimes. You can increase gun control. You know, she, she kind of leaves him stunned with that realization. One thing that they do also end on is because Yush has kind of just been like blurting out all his life trauma and everything and trying to process it in real time with her. One thing he says is, I made a promise. I don't know how to break it. He doesn't give context about what he's talking about, what that promise is. Mm -mm. But India puts two and two together of like, this has to be about Nina in some way. But it's about Nina in a different way than she realizes even. Mm -hmm. What she thinks is like this promise of a relationship, potential engagement, or who knows, just a future together. And she tells him like, you just being here with me, you're breaking that promise. But from his perspective, he's like, that promise is a fake relationship. And she doesn't realize that it's not real. He literally can't tell a single soul about 
this arrangement they have. Mm -hmm. The only person he can ever talk to about it is Nina. And she just, like, doesn't ever listen to him. He's really trapped because he's got, like, two deep, dark secrets in his whole life. And one of them is the Julia Wickham incident. Yeah. And the other is his relation, like, the true nature of his relationship with Nina. Like, I think it's really impressive, actually, that he hasn't told anyone yeah and i not a single person knows like i would at least have like one or two best friends that would know about this and the fact that like nina kind of is his best friend and she's being we'll get into the drama but she's not she doesn't have his back right now she has her own back and it's really conflicting for Yush. He's really like leaning on India because he's he has no friends. Rico could have been someone he told, but now it's way too late for him to tell him because like he's obviously involved in the campaign. If he wasn't yeah. in the campaign, yeah. maybe he could have told him, yeah. but now it's like it's again, it's years too late for him to let anyone in without just completely exploding everything. <laughs> yeah. So. Hi. I'm too stupid to live. And I'm Becky Feldman. And I host the podcast called Too Stupid to Live, which is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. On TSTL, I am joined by a super fun guest where we review romance novels that are $5 and under. I've had comedians, writers, podcasters, actors, all sorts of guests who bring their humor, and yes, their intellect, as we review all sorts of romance novels as long as they're under $5. You can listen to Too Stupid to Live on the podcast Too Stupid to Live on your favorite podcasting platforms. Transitioning into chapter 17, we're with Yush and he is now officially meeting his sister Trisha for lunch at the hospital. I I think something that's really tricky for Yush is like, and it's something that we've definitely experienced if you've read Pride, Prejudice and Other Flavors and a little bit Recipe for Persuasion. The Rajay world revolves around Yush and his campaign. And so I think it's nice that he's taking the time to like have lunch with his sister at her place of work. Obviously, there's not a lot that she can tell him about Abdul's condition because she's a doctor and she's not supposed to talk about it. But he pushes her as much as he can. (laughs) And we just sort of learn that the longer this goes on, the less likely it is that he wakes up, which is something that I think Yash already knew. It is sadly confirmed. Something that's less sad, though, is we learn that the Dashwood and Rajay sisters have a monthly get-together. So it's very funny because Trisha brings up India and she's like, there's something just so good about her, don't you think? And he's like, oh my god, how does she know that I'm in love with her? Wait, she knows, she knows, she knows. And she doesn't. No. But she probably does. No, because I mean, to everyone else, they're like, wow, Yash and Nina are so in love and the perfect couple. So like... There's no possibility that he would be interested in India. (laughs) No, you never know. I mean, you know, not that he would never be interested in her, but he is spoken for. That's that's the term that they use. He is spoken for. And so what's nice is Yash kind of knows that Tara's having some health issues. She doesn't really know. He doesn't really know what it is, but he's like, hey, sister, who is a doctor, why don't you check in, especially on your old friend India and Tara? Because I think she's not doing well. I do love that in the last couple of chapters, Tara... (laughs) coughed and that's the universal sign for oh you're not doing well are you what's great is trisha's like oh that's a great idea he's planted that seed he's doing his white knight politician thing this sort of escapade between yush and india it was all night 
And since he's living with his parents, mom noticed that he never came home last night and never texted anyone and never did anyone. (sighs) So there was a bit of a search party fiasco happening. And Nina's doing this tricky thing where it really seems like she's on his side, but she's doing it for selfish reasons. Basically, when no one could get a hold of him, they called Nina and she's like, oh, yes, he's here with me at my apartment. And he's like, oh, so this this is a new lie that he needs to uphold. And, and the lies are weighing on him. Yeah. So then he does go to Nina and they talk and he's like, so what's with the lie? What's going on? So they're about to do like this morning show. They're going to be on an interview. And he's talking to her about like, so this lie, like what's going on? He says, we're friends who made a deal. We're partners in a lie. And she says, no, we're much more than that. We're friends who want to change the world who can be really good together. So again, I think he is still trying to suss out like, does she have feelings for me? Is this a totally selfish thing? And he's just not sure. And it seems like she has no intention of leaving this arrangement. And I think he's trying to like test the waters a little bit of like, how much can I push? And she is not budging at all. So much so, so that when they go on the interview, she just casually states oh yes and then my fiance and i are and that's a bombshell for the host (laughs) she acts like a kid who just got back from an abroad trip and she's like oh chow oh oh where did that come from you know where she's just like my fiance oh no did i did i say well it's it's not gonna be a secret soon anyway you know yeah and obviously the press is all over that i mean he can't just be like whoa 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 we're not engaged on tv in an interview a month before an election. So he Not without has, looking like a huge dick. No, so he has to go along with it and just pretend. I mean, she has done something so awful. She has really trapped him in this lie. And he has nowhere to go. He doesn't see a way out right now. Well, that's what's so sus about it. She didn't refer to herself as his fiance in private. She no. brings it up on national, on if not live television. Yeah. Uh, as if, you know, it's a huge scoop that they planned on bringing up. Like I when mean, celebrities are like, oh, I'm pregnant, you know? It's also so awful because like his family has to find out in a TV interview that they're engaged and not from him. So that's just making him look bad on a personal level mm-hmm, too. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. clearly Nina does not care. We're seeing more of Nina's true colors, I think. We'll just sort of just transition into chapter 18, which actually has nothing to do with Yush and uh, Nina. We're, we're back from India's point of view. Uh, I mean, the only Yush part of it is that Chutney misses Yush. She's whining. She's like, "Mm, she wants the belly rubs. She wants the belly rubs. (laughs) He he delivers on the belly rubs. What's nice is when her good friend Trisha stopped by inquiring about Tara's health, she recommended a top, top notch doctor specialist who can help her out. And the treatment seems to be doing her a lot of good. So Tara's doing better. She is not at 100%. She is convinced she is at 100%. You know how moms are. (laughs) We get a really big plot bombshell from China. China tells India, so I'm moving to Seoul to be with Song. Whoa, that's a big, big step that shows that they're very serious about their relationship. It's one thing to move in together. (laughs) It's another thing to have to like give up your life and move to another country where you don't speak the language. Yeah. And you don't have any friends or family there. And then the second bombshell is that China has quit her job. They're about 
about to get ready for like another big season and her boss is expecting a lot out of her. But also China has been dropping the ball. So I'm sure her boss is like, fine, leave. Like we need someone who's actually going to work here. Her focus has just been completely on Song. She hasn't been focused at work. She's dropping everything for Song. And India's like, is Song aware that you're dropping everything? everything for her like everything and the answer is no <laughs> so. well i mean i don't know what's worse that like she might ask china to do all this or that she didn't ask china to do any of this she's like i'll tell her soon she pl- like china plans on just showing up like surprise i dropped everything for you and we can be properly together now. I feel like it's the story of she's just not that into you, which sucks because I think to Song, they had a really nice time in the United States. She was a fun little abroad jaunt. And then she's just going to show up and be like, I quit yeah. my job for you. And this this is especially out of character for China because we learn that China has this attitude of like, I don't need to travel. My whole world is in Northern California. Right. Why would anyone leave Northern California? Or... Like, she's a workaholic. Like, her first love was work. And the fact that she's giving it up and just quitting. Like, quitting and acting like everyone else is being dramatic for her. You know, because she's, like, really risen up in the ranks. She's a high-level producer on this. And she's just like, I can't believe you guys are so mad that I'm just quitting on you. You know? Because she thinks that Song will give her everything that she needs emotionally. She sees her and Song as, like, this perfect romance where she's like, well, yes, like, Song has given up so much to be with me. And, like, she hasn't given up much. Nothing. China is giving up so much to be with her. She's giving up everything. And she feels like, great, like, I'm gonna make this great sacrifice just like Song's been doing. I'm gonna go and move and we're gonna be so happy together and we can be together. But she's not living in the reality that maybe Song isn't ready to be public. Maybe Song isn't as 100% about this relationship as she is. So, so much of these next steps and like the next, the future with her is in China's head and they haven't talked about it really. So, or at all. Well, and there's a part of me that feels like China can kind of sense how much Song hesitates, like introducing her to people or yeah. coming out or whatever. And I think she's doing what a lot of people do when they don't feel loved enough, where they're like, I can love enough for the both of us. Mm. And I like, you know, Sonali didn't write this, but I just, I've seen some things. And <laughs> I think that she's kind of doing that thing where she's like, if I just show how much I love her and how much I'm willing to give her, she will be so overcome with gratitude and she will do the same for me. That's just not what we've got here. We've got a one person who had a good time. We're making assumptions yeah. right now. Maybe... China does show up and Song is like, yeah. oh my gosh, thank you. This is exactly that's the push true. that I needed. I mean, that. I mean, that's the script. That's how it's playing in her head. Yeah. That's how it's going. And India's being so cool about this. <laughs> if one of my friends told me that they were quitting their job and moving to another country for some person who didn't ask them to do it, I'd say you're crazy. I love you, but I, I, you're, this is a mistake. And she's just being a really supportive sister by saying, wow, I support you. I love you. Okay. Follow your heart. <laughs> I think she kind of has to just support her because she's like, the alternative is she leaves and they're just on bad terms. Yeah. And then if things go bad, she's, she's just not going to be on speaking terms with her sister. So mm-hmm. I think she wants to maintain some good relationship with her. So if things do go bad, 
she can still come back and feel like she can cry on her sister's shoulder. <laughs> I know. So. Yeah, but it's but it's also kind of sucks because I feel like, you know, India's like, oh, that's not the choice I would make. I yeah. wouldn't do that. But if you want to. And I feel trying to, uh, it comes back at her of like, well, I, I just love with my whole heart. You know, I, I have to do that. You know, like, yeah. and it's a moment. I feel like this is like an exact reenactment from Sense and Sensibility yeah. where Marianne is like, well, I love, like, I'm obsessed with Willoughby. I would do anything. Like, I can't hide my passion. That's how much passion we have that I can't hide it. You, on the other hand, clearly, like, don't love someone. And like, you know, because her, her romance was with Edward Ferris and it's different because china has no idea that um that india has sort of been with yush but she's just like you know you just don't love as passionately as i do and so you don't know what this feels like and i'm like oh that's mean you don't even know know. (laughs) (laughs) no we definitely see those parallels i mean obviously china is the marianne who is just all emotions and just is very out there with her emotions and isn't afraid who knows it but she's just with someone who is not all emotions. And yeah. so uh, how are those two really going to balance each other out? But again, like like you said, I think China's way of thinking is I'm just going to love enough for the both of us and it'll be fine. That's really where we end on those two big life changes coming up for China. Um, and, like you know, just India being the supportive big sister that she can be. They're a very loving family and, and they're not going to, you know, ostracize China for this decision. But I think it's really hard to go from seeing your little sister every single day to having her move to another country and her partner didn't ask for that. So next week we will get into what sort of happens along the way with the Rajes and, and with the Dashwood sisters. Stay tuned. 